Welcome or welcome back to Lift You Up Inspiring Health Stories. I'm your host, Tamika Bickham. I am the founder and chief storyteller of TB Media Group. But for the purpose of this podcast, I am your health and wellness matchmaker. Now, before I tell you about today's guest, you know what I'm going to ask you to do. Hit that subscribe button on YouTube or connect with me on LinkedIn. I know you want to, and I'd love to see you there. Now, today you're going to meet an incredibly beautiful woman on the outside, but even more beautiful on the inside. Her name is Danielle Mills, and she is the CEO of Headstrong. She's talking all about mindset as a pro tennis player from the age of 14 until her early to mid 20s. Um, she really understands what it's like to build the mindset of a champion. Now she's using that to help other female entrepreneurs do the same in their businesses. Our physical, mental, and emotional health is not just a want. It is a need for happy lives and prosperous businesses. Lift You Up is the podcast where we share inspiring health stories from business owners who are fulfilling their purpose to live their healthiest lives and helping you do the same. From former TV reporter to marketing entrepreneur and content creator, I care about sharing stories that matter and stories that connect us. I'm your host, Tamika Bickham, your health and wellness matchmaker. Well, today I am joined by Danielle Mills, the beautiful one and only (laughs) Danielle Mills, the CEO and founder of Headstrong. Thanks for being here. Thank you so much for having me. It's really an honor to be on with you today. You look amazing. That that goes without saying. <laughs> oh, you look phenomenal as well. I'm excited to have the girl chat with you. So, of course, we want to know all about Headstrong and what that is, but this show is definitely about telling your story. So I want to start by learning more about you. And I have to, of course, point out, because anybody who watches this show knows that I'm a cane and I have on plenty of other canes. So <laughs> there you go. Yes, go cane. Go cane. So obviously that's just an added bonus as to why you're here today. <laughs> so tell us a little bit more about you. Right. Okay. So a little bit about me. I started playing tennis when I was two years old. I was introduced to the sport by my father. Um, my upbringing is a little bit different than most. By the age of 10, I had moved from Rochester, New York to Bradenton, Florida to go to a sports academy full time to where I was training to be a professional. So imagine being like a 10, 11, 12 year old kid living in a dorm in a sports academy, kind of like with a college lifestyle, but you are extremely young. So I really love that experience because it taught me so much about like scheduling and discipline and and all those skill sets that have really transferred over nicely. So I ended up turning professional around 14. So started 14. playing. Yeah, started playing <laughs> pro. And tennis is such a crazy sport because you can be a 14 year old and then playing against Serena and it's like fair somehow, which is, it's not, but it is. It's really? Not, yeah, it's not like okay. other. I didn't know this at all about tennis. Tennis is crazy. Like there's no. Tennis is basically like you can turn pro once you're 14. If you're able to, you know, get some points, you can turn pro. But there's no like age range. Like, you know, in certain sports, there's like weight classes for like boxing or different things. But tennis, it's just like you're in there. And tennis, there's no like guaranteed money. There's no contract. So it's only like what you're making while you're playing and your sponsors. So a lot of people don't know about that. But 
tennis is like was my life and I did it from the age of two until I retired at um, 23. And what I loved about tennis was I got to travel all over the world to so many different countries and I would, my schedule was crazy. I was, tr I was traveling 36 weeks a year all over the world and I was just going, going, going. But ultimately, as you know, my, my knees kind of gave out and I ended up having a double knee surgery and that was really rough. And then I ended up retiring and it was, a, it was really tough for me because I didn't know what I wanted to do. I knew that I was always a really positive person, but I didn't know how that was gonna translate over into business. And I was, I was actually really scared. The idea of going on an interview or getting a job absolutely terrified me because my whole life I had been a tennis player. I'd never had any work experience or any job experience. So actually I used to get so nervous before any interview and I would like, my hands would get all sweaty and I'd be so nervous. And it's just so crazy that now I kind of coach people on that, but it, it, I've really come full circle there. But basically I, I left tennis. I got into a career of real estate. I realized it wasn't my passion, but I did find out that my passion is helping people reach their potential through their mindset. And by way of that, I created my company Headstrong, where I mentor women and help them with their self-esteem, their confidence and their mindset. So that's kind of where we are now. Is there someone in your life who got you into tennis and just inspired you to take that path? My parents knew before I was even born that I was gonna play tennis, which I find to be crazy, but I was even gonna be named after a pro tennis player. But my mom's like, no, we're not gonna name her that. <laughs> it was gonna be Gabriella and I ended up being Danielle. So a little similar, but my, my dad was really the one that really pushed me. He, he was a football player in college and he knew if he was gonna have a daughter, he wanted her to play tennis because tennis is like the highest paying female sport. So he knew like, if I can't have a boy, she's gonna be a girl, she's gotta play tennis. And it just so happens that I ended up excelling at it and doing well at it. But in the beginning, it wasn't always, um, wasn't always like something I enjoyed. I, I ended up learning to love it because it was really tough. I, I definitely had a very sports family type where it's a lot of pressure and tense, but I'm so thankful for it. It made me a really tough person now. Yeah, I mean, I'd like to talk about that because I feel like this will end, this ends up probably kind of segueing into what you do now as far as the mindset of an athlete, the mindset of a champion. Do you feel like you were born with that? Or is it something that's developed because you played a competitive sport? Or kind of talk through that a little bit. Yeah, so I'm a true believer that your mindset is not born. It's made through practice and through training. And I talk a lot about this because people are not like born uh, <laughs> positive or born with this champion's mindset. It's absolutely taught. And a lot of that for me stemmed from at a young age, having that structure, having that discipline. And I'll tell you a story that always resonates with me is I remember being like 12 years old and you know, a normal 12 year old, you don't like something, you may speak up about it or something happens to you, you, you bring it up. I just remember my parents and specifically my dad telling me that I was not allowed to make an excuse for anything and I was not allowed to complain. So imagine like being shut down at such a young age and, and going about life knowing, okay, I can't complain, I can't make an excuse. So I probably should focus on what I can do. So that really shifted my mindset and he was definitely somebody and also the IMG too was definitely so important in my upbringing of really shifting my mindset. Cause I notice now when I work with people, a lot of the stuff that I have innately from all of that mindset training at a young age 
they don't have it. So I do a lot of exercises and work with them so that they can get that now. I, I saw some of this on your LinkedIn, just in case you all are wondering how we met is actually through LinkedIn, which I love. So the power of LinkedIn uh, for sure. Um, I, th I think I saw this on your LinkedIn about like that champion mindset. Is there a point at which, um, you know, during your tennis career that you said, you know, I've achieved that champion mindset? The moment where I really felt like I've achieved this champion's mindset was the first tournament that I got a chance to play that Serena and Venus Williams were actually at the same tournament. And as a tennis player, you know, they were my idols because they're, you know, a little bit older than I am. And I just remember growing up wanting to be them. And when you put so much time and effort into training into practicing and getting yourself to be professional, to then be in an environment with them, that's when I knew like, okay, Danielle, you have arrived. Stop looking at them like your idol. Like you need to be ready to go. Like this is, this is your element. And, and for me, that was such an eye-opening experience because there's so many times throughout our lives where we doubt ourselves or we don't think that we can achieve what we can. And ultimately, if you focus on that every single day and you are putting out there into the universe, your goals and you're manifesting, you truly can reach your goals. And for me, that was so big to finally be there with them, see them, have my locker, be next to theirs and be like, you're here now. Like you can do this. This is what you've been dreaming of. So I, I really talked about that a lot about make sure you're manifesting the results that you want and putting that out there because the more you do it, the more it'll come back. And then ultimately you could have that one day. So that was a big moment for me, for sure. How, how old were you at that time? Cause I know you've been playing since you were 14. For that tournament, I was 19. Wow. Yeah. That's exciting. It was so exciting. It's still like when I go back, so it's so crazy. Like now that I've retired and I'm out of the space, I really look at so many of those moments and I, when I was in it, I didn't fully like grasp it. Yeah. Now that I'm out of it, I'm like, that was really cool. But yeah. at the time I'm like, yeah, you know, but now I'm just like, wow, that was such an awesome experience. I, I recently had a conversation with someone who specifically only works with athletes and, um, you know, kind of breaking down maybe walls that they have to get to like that next level along the same lines as far as mindset. And, you know, when I asked him why he only works with athletes, um, he told me because their level of discipline is so different from the average person. Um, and I was really trying to, like, dig a little bit more into that. So, you know, it, it's interesting to me because I think we all can get there. But what is it that's so different, maybe in your opinion, um, you know, in an athlete's mind versus your everyday person? I think the biggest difference between an, uh, a successful athlete's mind and the average everyday person is the accountability and the discipline. So an example is an athlete knows that they need to put a certain amount of effort or time into something to get the result that they want. And they will not stop or take a break or get distracted or have any kind of you know, distractions around until they complete that task or complete that goal. And if they don't have that within innately, it's because a coach is telling them that as well. And it usually becomes a combination of both. Sometimes it's the coach mm -hmm. that's like the one that is pushing them to, to do all of these things and by way of that. But a lot of times when it comes to a really good athlete, they have it within themselves and they're gonna wake up at five o'clock in the morning, go onto the field or the court and put in that additional time to get that result. And if there's a party or something going on, 
they're going to make a decision and say, hey, do I deserve that? And I just remember this going back to a story. Like I just remember being yeah. like 15 years old and at IMG Academy and I had lost this tournament the weekend before. And then it was like a, it was like a Sunday. And then on a Tuesday, all of my class in, in high in middle school was going to a trip to Bush Gardens, which is like an amusement park. And I just remember saying in my saying to myself, I don't deserve to go to this trip because I need to work on what caused what caused me to lose. And any regular everyday person would just go on the trip. But me, I was like, I don't deserve that joy because I still haven't finished what I need to finish. Or I still haven't like fixed what caused me to lose. So I didn't go, I stayed behind, everybody else went. And I focused and worked on what caused me to lose, which is my serve. So I was doing serves for a couple hours that day. A lot of it's being self-motivated and very goal oriented, mm -hmm. which I think are things that you can teach. So I love working with people and focusing on teaching them how to create goals and having small wins. But a lot of successful athletes have so many goals just throughout their life, small term goals, long term goals that they absolutely have to hit. And if they don't hit, they really hold themselves accountable. No, and I love what you said, because that was the word that was going to come out of my mouth is self-motivated. Because at the end of the day, if you're the type of person that requires somebody else telling you when you have to do something or what you have to do, um, you know, being an athlete isn't or successful, as you said, a successful athlete is not going to work for you. And I, I would say the same about entrepreneurship, right? Because <laughs> there's no one saying to the boss, hey, boss, <laughs> time to get up or time to pay those invoices or time to get out there and hustle and network and get more business like that has to be that has to come from within you. So maybe that's where I can see the parallel for you, you know, as far as coming from that perspective of being an athlete and developing that mindset, that self-discipline, having that self-motivation. Um, you know, from such a young age, because I can't imagine being a pro athlete from the age of 14, how much you probably do give up and sacrifice um, in order to practice and, you know, have your matches and um, all of that. But then that that definitely translates to, I think, the mindset of an entrepreneur as well. So the transition out of tennis, I know you briefly mentioned earlier, um, you know, having knee injuries, having surgeries, um, and we were kind of relating over that because I saw on your Instagram, the picture from, um, you know, having, I guess, both knees operated on at the same time, which I can't imagine. Um, kind of walk me through, <laughs> walk me through that. Cause obviously in tennis is that's one of those sports that's I'm sure really hard on your knees. Tennis is extremely difficult on your knees for a number of reasons. There's a, there's a bunch of different surfaces in tennis that you can play on, but predominantly it's played on a hard court which is basically like concrete. So it's very hard on the knee and there's a lot of change of direction. Yeah. So I'll talk to you guys about what happened with my, with my knees. And I'll say this, I was extremely lucky as a junior player that I never had any major injuries that took me out of the sport. So as I was growing up, I used to see other players that would have injuries and I didn't really fully understand what they were going through because for me, it never happened. But it wasn't until a little bit later in my, um, career that I started feeling a lot of intense knee pain. And the crazy thing about tennis is and sports in general is when you feel pain and you speak up about it, most of the time your coaching staff, your support systems, they're going to tell you that's normal. You should be feeling pain. Keep going. It's fine. Like they actually will 
push you through that pain. And it's just part of like a mental toughness exercise. Cause at the end of the day, we're all experiencing some type of pain, but I was like, no, this is, this is beyond like just normal knee pain. And I had, yeah. and I was saying that for months and months. And finally I was like, I need to get an x-ray. Like somebody get me an MRI, somebody get me something. And I got an MRI and, it, and then they determined that both of my meniscuses were torn or maybe it's meniscus, both my meniscus were torn. Yeah. I, and for me, it was validation because I felt like finally, like I'm not just, and it's and tennis players go through this. You have this feeling of, am I being weak? Am I not tough enough? Am I not, you know, what's causing me to feel this, but then other players are, are going, you know, and they're playing through it. So for me, it was like, yes, I'm not making this up. It's not in my head. It's real. And everybody right. had to be like, it's real. The only thing that I regret, which we kind of talked about is I got, I ended up getting surgery on them. Whereas after the fact, I learned that if I could have done like physical therapy and maybe made all the muscles around my knees much stronger and approached it that way, that mm -hmm. ultimately my, my success could have been better. What happened was I ended up getting double knee surgery at the same time. And typically the recovery for that, they, they tell you was like six to eight weeks, but I was actually kind of forced to get back into playing much faster than that, which I also think messed me up. I came back at like five weeks, which I was like, I didn't really want to, but I had to with tennis every year you get points. And if you don't recoup your points, you lose them. So I was like coming up on a tournament where I, if I didn't play it, I was going to lose some points. So I kind of had to play it, even though I didn't feel ready. And I was like, had these two braces on, I looked a little crazy, but I think that a combination of me coming back too soon. And then once they cut into you and you do rehab and everything, like you just don't feel the same. After that, it was a domino effect. And literally I was just like, I was taking like six, seven, eight Advils a game. Like it was a mess. It was a mess just cause it was so painful. And it was so painful that, and I don't know if you know this about tennis, there's singles and doubles. Like doubles is four people, singles is two people. I went from being a pro that did singles predominantly and occasionally doubles just for you know extra money to just playing doubles because I couldn't move. Like I couldn't really cover the court. Mm. So it really changed everything. And then as I started to see my, my game kind of go down, which mentally was really hard to deal with because you see yourself at a level and then you start maybe losing the people that you used to beat and like that whole dynamic, then to going to playing doubles, which I did well at, but it still was hurting. And then I'm in my early twenties and I start thinking, Oh my gosh, this can't be my life. So I start contemplating like, what do I do next? And then I started considering retiring, which was really tough as well. It was rough, but uh, it was a blessing in disguise. <laughs> was, was tennis something, so when you talk about, when you think about retiring, was it something that you didn't see yourself doing, meaning retiring for many years to come? Did you want to be a pro tennis athlete for as long as you could? Oh yeah, I, I really felt like I never reached my full potential as a pro tennis player. I was a little bit of a late bloomer. I grew really fast, I'm 5'11", but I grew really quickly when I was younger. So I, my movement was always a little bit weird. And so I finally started coming into my own and then these injuries started coming. So I always have this thing like, ah, like if I didn't get injured, would I then be here? And I try not to focus on that too much because you can't change it. It's not a right. controllable thing. But um, to answer your question, I absolutely wanted to play at least until, you know, my 30s, because now if you look at Venus and Serena, they're still playing and they're like late 30s. I'm like, dang, who knew right. they could play this long? Fast forward now to 
entrepreneurship or if there's any stops in between pro tennis and now walk me through those. I went from playing pro tennis and then I immediately went into real estate and I started working with my aunt who's Sharon Mills. She's a high power, real, a millionaire real estate agent. And I worked with her and it was so awesome because she taught me so much about being professional and customer service and, you know, treating really high end clientele a certain way. And I enjoyed it a lot, but I knew it wasn't my passion. Like, you know how sometimes where you're good at something, but you know, it's not your passion. That's oh, exactly yeah. <laughs> how I felt. And with that, I was like, I need to do something that I can like help people reach their potential. And then that is when I decided to create Headstrong, which is my company. And really what it came down to was how do I turn what I enjoy doing into a business that helps others? So I was thinking of all these different things and I'm like, I just need to create a mindset mentorship company. And that's ultimately what it is. It's a mindset mentorship company that helps people who, predominantly women, but helps women who are dealing with confidence issues, self-esteem issues, or they know that their mindset is holding them back from reaching their full potential. And that's actually most people. Most people's mindset is the one thing that's holding them back from reaching what they ultimately can do in life. Because whether it's to lose weight, to get a better job, to meet the love of their life. Like their mindset is really what's holding them back. So I kind of peel the layers and get them to identify what that is and then build them up and let them then set them free. <laughs> That's kind of what I do. I love that. So is it any certain area? Because you mentioned mindset as it relates to dating or work or, you know, any, any different, any specific area that you work with or... A lot of it is working with business people about around kind of how to develop their mindset so they can achieve their best results in the work world. But it ultimately, like a lot of the people I work with there, it's more about their personal life and just they're in all areas of their life, really, because I work with some people who are not at the level they want to be at from like a fitness standpoint. So I help them with that, but I'm not helping them with like actual workout exercises, which I could enjoy and do, but it's more about the thought process of how do you stay consistent? How do you not give up? How do you create a schedule and a plan? And, and a lot of that is what I work on with people because most people start something and then they quit or they try something and then they give up. I'm, I'm a person who I feel like I always set goals, um, no matter what they are, or how extreme they are. And I'm like, okay, if I say I'm going to do it, if I actually, like, I might think certain things, but if I, once I say it out loud, like I'm going to do that thing. And no matter what it is, that means I'm going, and I think there's a power in saying it out loud or writing it down. And that also helps you achieve that thing. So why do you think it is that the majority of people don't finish the things that they start? <sighs> So that's a loaded question. I would think <laughs> that um, a lot of it stems from abuse or trauma that happened in their childhood, which is crazy, right? You're like, huh, how did that have to do with this? But when I work with people and I peel back the layers, you find that they'll start something and they wanna do it, but they have that negative self-talk. They, they might start something and then they experience a roadblock or some adversity. And then those negative thoughts are, well, you can't, you're not good enough. You can't do this. Why would you think you could do this? Who do you think you are? Like your, your mind starts telling you these things. And a lot of that stems from childhood trauma. Did their parents talk to them that way? Did a spouse or boyfriend talk to them that way? Somebody beat them down verbally or physically. Like a lot of that stems from that. And I find that a lot of the reason that's why 
some people just they just say they're going to do a lot of things but they don't do any of it and i call that you know talking a lot but not doing a lot and yeah. um what i kind of focus on with with those people is focusing on small wins like little things every day that you're going to commit to that you have to complete so they get used to the feeling of completing things a lot of people are not used to having to complete something every day so just building off of that and then we can actually put a goal in place but then put all the steps needed taking to take to get there which is what most people don't know how to do is create the the framework of my goal is i want to write a book but i don't know what do i do now so it's like right. I'll, i'll set the different steps you need to do and then each week we'll we'll go over those steps and then we'll see the progress and then i can see what they're doing and then i can accountability partner hey i, I noticed you didn't do something yesterday so it's just like training those habits which is right. really big. Right. Um how much does mindset impact our overall lives and the direction and trajectory of our lives? <laughs> I would say out of everything, your mindset is the most important thing in your life because let's take it for example somebody who gets diagnosed with a illness like a cancer or something. The the patient that has the mindset of this happened to me but i'm going to fight through it i'm going to do everything i can that patient most likely has a better result than the patient who's like i can't believe this happened to me oh my gosh i'm going to die like that that mind you're literally feeding your mind those thoughts and it becomes your reality so if you're telling right. yourself every day i am this and i am positive and i can achieve anything and and i and i have people you know do affirmations that becomes their reality and it shifts and the energy shifts but those negative thoughts really weigh you down and throughout the course of your days most people think majority negative so it's just about changing that habit admittedly myself you know i i think maybe the first two weeks of kind of getting the news of these stay at home orders and quarantine. I mean, I think I probably like laid on the couch for two weeks and I was like, I felt very stuck. Um, and then I had the other extreme where the next two months I just all of a sudden something snapped in me and I was like, I have all this time and I like creative juices were going and I started working like 12 hours a day. And but then I'm like, wait, I'm neglecting like my health and you know exercise and it's just kind of been and i know for everybody it's kind of been an up and down kind of roller coaster of emotions and kind of you know what's going to happen uncertainty the word we keep hearing over and over again but i think overall between just conversations i've had with other people there's definitely been these moments of feeling unmotivated and kind of feeling stuck in this space. So do you have any advice or tips for how all of us in general can kind of adjust or work on our mindset during this time of like uncertainty and being stuck in quarantine? Definitely. So if you're not already doing this, I'll recommend three things that you can do. And then I'll add to that. Number one is start every morning by listing 10 things you're grateful for, which always sets your day off right. And if you're having a hard time coming up with 10, get really like granular, like I'm thankful I have two eyes. I'm so grateful that I have, you know, two hands. Like you can literally after a couple of days you might start feeling like, "Well, I don't know what else to write." But there's always something you can write down that you feel grateful for. This is something that I've been doing for 
a while now and it's truly changed my life, just beginning my days with gratitude. So that's number one. Number two is beginning your day with affirmation. So I talked about a little bit before, but coming up with like five to six key affirmations for your life that you are gonna say every morning and they can adjust depending on what you have going on, but typically they're, they're main things that you wanna put out into the universe so that you begin your days with that. That will, and then I take it a step further, go outside and scream them out loud. That'll wake you up. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's one I'll recommend. And then the third thing is beginning your mornings with a some sort of a workout, whether it be a run, some cardio, maybe a Zoom dance class, a Peloton, whatever you have, try to do your workout in the morning versus in the evening. Some of the people on here might debate me and say, oh, I like to work out at night. But I'll challenge you to say the most successful people in the world get a workout in in the morning. <laughs> so okay. if you can do that, even if it's for 25 minutes, you will feel amazing the rest of your day. As far as being motivated, you know, it's okay to have those days where you just wanna sit on the couch and watch some Netflix or some good movies because it makes you feel good. That's okay. Yeah. I'm not saying that you shouldn't do that because you deserve it. We've been moving so fast over the course of our lives. And this is the first time that we've been given an opportunity to just be still and just be in our space. And I'll challenge everybody to just be really intentional and be present with those that you're around. If you have kids or family, go ahead and eat dinner with them and actually talk with them and put the phones away. Like this is a chance that we can like take a break from that piece and really get to know who we're around. So that's the thing that I'll say, but I think that this is a great time um, to kind of reset yourself. For me, I immediately was like, okay, this is how I approached COVID-19 back in, in March. I was like, we're on lockdown, I'm stuck here. What can I do to better myself so that when we come out of this, I'm in a better situation career-wise, health-wise, mentality-wise than when I came in. So I just started doing a ton of self-development, which I'll recommend everybody to do. Mm. Pick like two to three books that you've always thought about reading or people have always suggested it to you, but you kind of blew off and actually read those books. And if you don't like reading, do an, do an audible, you know, just have it like mm -hmm. play in your ear while you're cleaning your house, you know? So this is a time for you to work on things that you didn't ever have time to work on and a great time to maybe learn a language or just do something that you just never thought that you could do. And then I think that would motivate you, but there's so many things. <laughs> So before we wrap up, I want to hear a little bit more because you've been, and you briefly touched on it, been busy as well during this time of staying at home and lockdown. So I know you've been up to a book as well as several other things. So give us the rundown of all that you've accomplished because it's really great. I decided to write a book called How to Master LinkedIn and Separate Yourself from the Masses. The reason why I created this book was I had been doing some side coaching with people around how to like brand themselves through LinkedIn and how to help them get either a better job or just have a more complete profile because most people don't realize this, but your LinkedIn is your virtual resume. That's the first place that people are looking. That's the first place that a recruiter is gonna check for because ultimately your resume is okay. Yes, it has to be nice, but people are not reading resumes anymore. They're looking at your LinkedIn and your LinkedIn presence. So I knew with everything that was going on with COVID-19, so many people were being furloughed or laid off and it's really shifted from a career standpoint. So I, I felt like there's a lot of people that are gonna need to find new jobs or change their careers or make an adjustment. Let me see if I can share the tips that have worked for me 
with them. So I started the book at March 15th and I got it out by April, which is really <laughs> fast to get really fast, <laughs> really, really fast. Every day I just sat on the couch and I was like, let me just start and just go. And I would, I would write every day and I'm not the best writer. I had a great editor who helped make me sound better because I'm not a writer writer, but I knew the information I had was going to help people. So I got yeah. that out. It's done really well. It's really helped a lot of people. It's not a very long book, which is good. It's mostly just the key things that you're going to need. And by way of that, I was like, you know what? I love doing this, but I really want to find a way that I can get more exposure for it and get more people to kind of see it. So I was like, okay, let me go ahead and create a podcast. Cause I was a guest on a couple of people's podcasts and I really enjoyed it. And I was like, maybe I can do this. I never thought I would do a podcast. Like, <laughs> never thought I would do it. Cause I enjoy being a guest. Like I, it's so nice being here with you. Like I enjoy yeah. being a guest <laughs> and getting a chance to kind of share my story. But I also realized I actually like hearing other people's stories and having on like-minded individuals who are positive and uplifting. So I created the Headstrong podcast, which is a podcast that basically I bring on people that I know that I like and respect that also have a champion's mindset. They've also achieved a ton of success, whether it be in sports and business, in their careers, entrepreneurs, all types of people, men and female to come on and share their story and share how they've overcome adversity and challenges and kind of their thought process so that the people who listen can get really inspired by that. So that's been like my baby and it's been the most rewarding thing. Like second to working with my clients, my podcast has been so rewarding just to, to see those people and hear their stories. That's been great. So those are the two big things that I've been working on during this pandemic because they both started in April. So tell us how, um, for those listening, how they can find your book, find your podcast, or find out more about you and Headstrong. For me, if you go to Amazon and you just search Danielle Mills, luckily the book pops up. So you don't even have to remember the <laughs> long title that I came up with, How to Master LinkedIn and Separate Yourself from the Masses. So just <laughs> the name itself will pop it up. But as far as like social media goes, you can follow me on Instagram. It's Daniela, D-A-N-I-E-L-A underscore B-O-R-I-C-U-A which is Boricua because I'm a Puerto Rican also. <laughs> and uh, so if you go there, you'll see all of my stuff. And that's the, probably the best way to to connect with me. But And also on LinkedIn. <laughs> yes, also on LinkedIn. So Danielle Mills on LinkedIn, connect with me. Um, LinkedIn is just such an underrated platform. It's like we got to meet through there and it's just like such absolutely. a great It really yeah. is. Like the best people I meet are through LinkedIn. No, absolutely. And this is a, a connection that will continue for definitely time to come. So yes. I really appreciate you being here. Thank you so much for having me. This has been an honor and I hope that you have a phenomenal rest of your week. I really hope you enjoyed that episode as much as I did and make sure you connect with Danielle. She's got a book, a podcast, and you could also work with her a one-on-one. -on -one. I'll link all her information below in the show notes, but she also has a ton of free resources. Oh yes, and connect where we connected on LinkedIn. You're going to want to connect with her there. So until next time, I thank you for coming back each and every week. It's much appreciated. You know, if you want to see more every week, hit subscribe on YouTube. Connect with me on LinkedIn and Danielle. We'd love to see you there. So until next week, stay happy, stay healthy.